0: Welcome to our evening service tonight. Want to begin, please, with number 587. If God before us rejoice in the Lord, oh, let his mercy cheer. We'll stand, please, to sing. Come to the Lord, please, now in prayer. Our loving Father and our gracious God, we bow in Jesus' name for our evening service tonight. At the very beginning of this meeting, we come, Lord, to ask for the help of the Spirit of God in our praying, in our worship, our singing, as we read the Holy Scriptures. And as we look into the Word of God, we pray, Lord, there will be benefit and blessing to every believer, that we would all be built up in our most holy faith. We would walk closer with our God moment by moment, and the devil would not be able to bring any temptation. It would cause us to stumble and fall. We want, O God, tonight to be strong in the Lord, in the power of that might, to take up the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to stop all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Lord, help us to realize that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, The kingdom of God is not overcome with armaments of bullets and guns, tanks. We're thankful, Lord, that we have the forces of heaven on our side. And this spiritual battle will be overcome by prayer, overcome by the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God. And help us to be very adept at the use of, of the spiritual weaponry that we have, and not to depend on the flesh, for we know that the arm of the flesh is very weak. But we are strong in Christ, and I pray tonight we will rejoice in every victory we have obtained and looking forward to every victory we shall have in our Savior. In a very real sense, Lord, we are to live in the victory of calvary and help us to walk therefore by faith and not by our sight pour out your spirit father tonight upon all those who have very specific need remember the grieving hearts tonight mrs weir our brother dan lord help them and their families Pray your blessing would be upon them tenfold and the comfort of the Savior standing with them in this time of their need. I pray for Ron tonight, for Serene. We ask for Mrs. Caudry. Pray for our brother Steve Kelly. Lord, help all these ones, whether in hospital or in their own homes, but still needing the touch of God upon them. Lord, bless them abundantly, we pray. Undertake for the seniors that cannot be out to our services on a regular basis, those who are at home yet still able to tune in online, pour out Your Spirit mightily upon them and encourage them in their own hearts. Remember every family gathered here tonight. Our needs are many. Perhaps, Lord, some of those needs not known to other people, we pray that you will answer, Lord, abundantly for the honor of your name and you would give us faith and understanding. And, Father, when it comes to the time when you say no, that prayer will not be answered, but you will pour in your grace abundantly because we must prove that our weakness is is made perfect in the strength that comes from our God. Then teach us, Lord, I pray. Give us open hearts, willing minds. May we ready, readily accept the pathway, the purpose, the plan of our God for us. Lord, hear our prayer tonight, we ask. Draw very, very near to us. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, number 491. Does Jesus care? We'll stand to sing. is no sweeter comfort than to be reassured, as we are through this hymn, that when friends, maybe family, those close to us, when they cannot help or at some times they may forsake and we wonder if they do care, let's never be, never be discouraged because we know that our Lord Jesus cares for us and we'll never fail in that one. We're going to read tonight in our Bibles from the book of Romans, chapter 8. We are diverting our attention in this evening service from our study in the book of Daniel. As I want to... Share with you a verse of scripture from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And in this portion, we're going to read from 28 down to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also? freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more Christ Jesus our Lord. May God encourage our hearts and bless His Word to us tonight as we have read. Welcome to our evening service. We're glad that you're here in person and we want to encourage you and thank you for that. And also we want to encourage and welcome everyone viewing our service Online tonight. Do please continue in your prayers for our sister, Mrs. Karen Zweer, the loss of her husband, the funeral we had here in the church on Friday, and I know she would greatly appreciate the prayers of this congregation for her at this time. Please also continue to remember our brother Dan Browett in your prayers. Dan was away last week visiting his son in Kingston, and then he came down sick, and when he got back, he tested, realized that he had COVID, and so he's now isolating himself for 10 days. And brother, I know you're watching the service tonight, so we want you to know we're holding you up before the Lord very much in our prayers. The opportunity of visiting our brother Steve Kelly in the hospital in Port Perry on Saturday... And he is awaiting a procedure on Tuesday. His daughter, Esther, flew back to be with the family, with him and his wife, her mother, uh, because of their needs at this time. Steve is not well, and uh, he needs our prayers. The Lord would strengthen him and sustain him at this time. And also, I was speaking with Mr. kadri uh, Talu's dad, and uh, her mom, His wife is in the hospital now, at least she was when I spoke to them earlier this week, and she was having some very serious respiratory problems, and I know that they would greatly appreciate your prayers for Mrs. Cadre at this time of her need. Remember, please, also, as we continue to hold up the needs of the persecuted church, of believers in many, many parts of the world that are going through very hard trials and great persecution for their faith that the Lord would support and sustain them at this particular time. Last night, last evening Saturday was the next uh, Connect group and I would ask you to continue to pray for the Connect Fellowship and the young adults in our own congregation and our youth not to forget to hold them up before the Lord very much in your own prayers and brother siman uh, tonight will be uh, speaking in our cloverdale congregation later on at 9 p.m and i know he would very much appreciate your prayers for him as well james fraser is in port hope Uh, brother alec was there this morning bringing the word as reverend cranston is still overseas in northern ireland finishing up some special meetings he has been having there, and I think he'll be back this incoming week. Please remember the services this coming Wednesday night, as there will be our regular midweek prayer meeting and Bible study. And Dr. McClellan will be bringing the Word this week, and uh, next Lord's Day, uh, Brother Gallagher will be bringing the Word here. This week is the beginning, Monday rather, of our. Presbyterian prayer times in Greenville and South Carolina. So do please remember these meetings before the Lord. On April, on May the 18th, is our annual general meeting. And let me remind you about the men who will be standing for the election of the office of deacon for the next three years. All of the current serving deacons will be continuing, apart from our brother Kingsley Jew, who is retiring from that particular office, and we'll have a little more to say about that later on. However, the three men that have allowed their name to stand for election, new men that is, uh, would be in alphabetical order, Andre Lyons. My brother Peter Pau, and also Daniel Siman. So you can think about those and all the other men as well. We will be looking to elect seven men. We have eight of them currently standing on the roster, and we'll leave that with you before the Lord. As I mentioned this morning, there were uh, many men nominated in our congregation. And you know, that gives me, as a pastor, a great encouragement Uh, because many men are highly thought of by you in the congregation, and many of them, certainly I would say that all of them that were nominated are eligible and worthy to stand for the office of the deacon. Some of them felt because of their age, uh, they did not want to let their name go forward, others for personal reasons, and so we want to uh, just be thankful to the Lord, but be praying for all and specifically the election coming up on the 18th. Then on May 22nd, our National Day of Prayer for all our Canadian churches. Please remember that before uh, the Lord. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise now, number 503. Jesus, like a shepherd, lead us. We'll remain seated while we sing. Turn again with me to Romans chapter 8. Reading the first 18 verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of, of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit The things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh, cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Which shall be revealed in us. You bow, please, with me in prayer. Father, we have read now this precious, instructive, mountain peak portion of your revealed word. And I ask, Lord, for light from heaven to give us instruction, illumination in our minds and hearts. Teach us, Lord, what we are to know. Fill in the gaps, Lord, of our spiritual understanding. Teach us, lead us, Instruct us, Lord, I pray that we would walk in the light of Your Word, and that the promises of Scripture would be fresh and powerful and alive to us, and that we would put into practical living the teaching in this chapter of the Word of God. Hear our prayer tonight. Give strength in the speaking of the Word. Give understanding in the heart of each one here and also watching online tonight. Bless us now, I pray, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to draw your attention, please, to verse number 18 tonight in this portion. The Apostle writes, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us And the title for our message tonight is this, Clear Thinking for Life. Clear Thinking for Life. If you were to begin a personal study of the book of Romans and chapter 8, it would take you a long time to fully and properly digest the teaching that is given to us here. It is that which would build up spiritual strength in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, in your emotions, in your will. It would strengthen you with might in the inner man because we are ultimately spiritual beings. We are not those who are walking after the flesh any longer, but we are called to be walking after the Spirit. You could not miss that message that is given to us here. And so clear and so pointed, he says in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The great contrast, and we were thinking about this this morning, the contrast in the book of Proverbs between the wisdom of the wise The Foolishness of the Fool, that is a book full of contrast. But here the Apostle brings us to another great contrast in the Word of God between the Spirit and the flesh, between the new man and the old nature, and how we are called to put to death the old, that we might live and walk and enjoy and relish in the light of the new man. Doesn't Paul tell us in the book of Galatians that we are to put on the new man? And as we are to do this spiritual activity, it's not to be done in the flesh because it cannot and is not a work of the flesh. It is a working of the Spirit of God that lives and abides within us. There is for us, believer tonight, No condemnation. Because the judgment and the condemnation that was due upon us for our sin has fallen justly and squarely upon Jesus Christ. And I say justly not because he deserved it, but justly because God himself is just and the justifier of those that believe in him. And so when God's judgment that flows out from Him constantly, His just and righteous and holy judgment against sin, that flows out from the essence of God in a continual basis, equally flowing out from the Lord is His sovereign and divine and everlasting love. And man in sin is under the judgment and condemnation and wrath of God, but by grace God has moved us from being under His judgment to be under the light of His love and grace and forgiveness. And that's where we stand tonight. Because Christ Jesus has borne our penalty, He has borne the judgment that we deserved, we therefore tonight can say that there is no longer judgment for us. Jesus has taken that cup and He drank all of it. Every last drop, every last portion, every last morsel, He has taken it all and there is none for us to take. Friends, if we had tonight to atone for one sin, then we would never be in heaven Believer, tonight rejoice and thank God for this great truth that in Jesus Christ you are alive in Him. But it may be. It may be that you're here in this meeting and you're not quite sure. Is Jesus Christ yours? Have you come to Him in simple faith? You're watching online tonight and you've been puzzled. You're wondering, am I a Christian? Am I a true follower of God? Does the light and the life of Jesus live in and through me? Well, you can know that tonight for certain. There is absolute certainty from the Word of God that you know Christ, that you are a believer as you confess your sins and call upon the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great gospel message. What a great hope that you and I have tonight. And that hope is given to us by the free grace of our God. And so that we tonight say there is no condemnation. We are in Christ Jesus. We are in union with Him. And that union that God has given to us cannot be dissolved. It can never be eradicated. It can never be altered. Do we have confidence tonight? Do we have reason for joy? Do we have reason that we can continue on in this life? Oh, yes, my friends, because the more that you immerse yourself in the doctrine of God's holy truth the more that you imbibe the teaching of the Word of God, the more that your thinking will be according to God's thinking. There is enough for us to receive and be influenced by of the thinking of this world. And we need to be very clear that we are not overly influenced by that way, and rather we are thinking clearly in this life. Dr. Cairns, who has gone to be with the Lord now, the theologian of our denomination, he said many years ago, and I have shared it with you, a very simple statement that right thinking leads to right living. And as we think according to God's Word, it will enable us to live according to that Word, and it will enable us to deflect and refuse all of the false thinking that's going on in the world today. My, so many, sadly to say, so many Christians, evangelical people who should know better have been sidetracked. From the clarity of God's Word. And they are confused today. And in the midst of all the confusion that's going on, that's being put forward by the devil, it's a sad thing when Christians don't know where they stand. They don't know what to believe. They don't know how to think. And what did Daniel say in his prophecy? He said, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They will do work for the Lord. They will do His service. May God strengthen us and help us to see and be sure that we are on the right track, that our minds are not being blown about by every wind of foolishness, and every other opinion and idea that comes about in our day. But our thinking will be clear. It's a very sad thing when you try to reason from the Word of God with a believer, and they will say, but I think this, or I have this opinion. And the problem is that their opinions and their reasoning and their thinking, it has not been brought into submission to the Word of God. What did Paul say in Corinthians? That we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what He has called us to do. Let us humble ourselves. We have much to learn. There is no doubt about that. I speak first-handed. But as we study and submit ourselves and pray for light from the Spirit upon the Word, He will bless His Word to us. Now as we come to verse 18 tonight, it has to do with the subject of suffering. And He says to us, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory Which shall be revealed in us. And when Paul says this, and I leave this with you in the first place tonight, this is a real challenge. It's a real challenge, Christian, to your thought processes. Suffering is something that is, well, it's an impact upon every person. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. And so suffering is not something that we as Christians will escape from this world. Things which happen in this life, they happen to the child of God. And I like how the Apostle brings this down to a conclusion. Because in verse 17, he speaks about Being children of God and heirs of the Lord. And if we are heirs of God, it also means we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And if we are joint heirs with Him, look what it says, then we will suffer with Him. And if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And so, Paul is bringing out here that the processes of sufferings that Christians go through have a purpose before God. They are not random. They are not isolated. They are not without purpose. Christian, let us take an understanding of this tonight, because it is a real challenge it speaks about the suffering. It's not singular, it's plural. There will be in your life, in my life, many sufferings, and they will take different forms. Some of them will be physical. We've been praying in this congregation for those you know well who have been going through some very, very hard physical sufferings. Our brother Ron, our sister Serene. These are names that you know very well. Names that you have been praying to the Lord, maybe daily, many of you. And as their names and others also, we add to that list today... We've been praying for our brother Steve Kelly. We've been thinking about Mrs. Caudry. These are real people with real issues of hard suffering. And sometimes, in the case of those that are long-term issues, and you wonder, is there any hope of improvement? Is there any hope of relief from this? Physical sufferings are hard for those that must bear them. For some of us, we have had relatively good health. And some of us really do not know what that step of suffering is like physically. All the aches and the pains, the problems, they are minor. And it may well be that those who enjoy good health now We'll come to our season in life where we go through that period. It's true. But it tells us that sufferings physically, they are real. And there are, on top of that, there are mental struggles. Mental illness is a subject that is talked about perhaps more today than it has been in time past. But there are people and faithful servants of God over the history and generations that have suffered a great deal of mental anguish and difficulty. And it cannot be downplayed. It cannot be set aside. I think of William Cooper, a man who suffered greatly from mental anxiety, a man who spent time in institutions, And yet, he gave to the church some of the greatest hymns that we sing today, and God made use of that mental disability in order to bring him through. And what about when we think in combination with the physical illness and the mental illness, you look at a Fanny Crosby, a woman who has written over 9,000 hymns, many of them in our hymnal tonight, and a lady who was not born blind, but because of some malpractice in her infancy, she lost her eyesight. But you know, Fanny Crosby was able to say that these, this suffering and these sufferings that I have had to endure, she said, I would not want to give them up. I would not want to have my eyesight in this life because the first one that I will see is the face of my Lord when I get to glory. That is the right way to think about a stage, a period of, deliber- of debilitation, of suffering in a person's life. And many have also had to endure very hard emotional trials in their life. I know that the connection between mental and emotional suffering, sometimes hard to really just draw the line and say, well, where does one end and the other begin? And I am certainly not qualified to make that distinction. But we all know what emotional sadness is. I think everyone knows at some time or another periods of depression in their life periods of being cast down, heavy weights upon your mind, and perhaps sometimes you don't really know even what the cause of those things are. Where do they come from? How, how are they here? What did I do to deserve this? Perhaps that's a question that's being asked. Or how do I get relief from it? And those emotional and mental sufferings, they are real. But I say to you, friends, They are part of the life journey for every believer. There will be for each of us some aspect of these things that we must endure. And what about the, the spiritual sufferings? Yes, when I say about those, I mean about bearing the burdens of the work of God in your heart. I'm talking about bearing the burden of unsaved loved ones in your heart. I'm thinking about the spiritual battles and sufferings that you will go through when you are battling against hell and you're battling against personal darkness And you're battling against those deep valleys that you must go through. What is the answer? How can we get escape from this? And I think of what Paul prayed. And he three times prayed for God to deliver him from that thorn in the flesh because that affected him physically. But I say to you, this affected him mentally and emotionally. And it affected him spiritually because Paul saw that this thorn in the flesh was affecting his ministry. He, he, could not, he could not feel at liberty to do the work of God the way he was called to do the work of God, and this was a real issue in his life. And so he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And the Lord said to him, I will not give you that request that you are praying for, because in my denial of that, and what I will give you in place of that, will be something of far greater benefit in fulfilling the very calling and work that you are burdened to do. And what did Paul do? How did he respond to that? Did he become sullen? Did he become moaning and mournful? No, the man of God was brought to realize that God's way is best. And Paul was able by the Spirit of God to bring his thinking into line with the Holy Spirit in his life. And therefore, the clear thinking for life is exactly what helped him. And you know what Paul began to do then? He began to rejoice in his sufferings. Now, that's something different. He began to thank God for his inability. He began to say, I get it now, Lord. When I am weak, then you will be able to use me. Because in my strength, I will take it upon myself. You go back to Gideon and go back to the enemy that they were going to prepare themselves for. And the first to number, 32,000, too many, cut it down by 10, 20,000, still too many, all the way pared down to 300. Because the Lord said, if I deliver Israel with any more than this, they're going to think it was of them. And so He brought it down to a number that was impossible in the eyes of men. And God wrought of a great victory. And through, believer, your sickness, your inability, your weakness tonight, God will bless you. He will enable you. He will enable me to be able to serve Him When before, we were not able. Because if God had blessed you, and if God had promoted you, you would think, sadly, as I would, that this is because of something good in us. This is because of some ability that I've brought to the table. No, friend. The real challenge that comes to us in our life most definitely, there are sufferings. But please notice the second thought tonight is this. There is a specific calculation that has to be done. At the beginning of the verse, it says, For I reckon. I reckon. It's not generally a word that we would use, it simply means. I will calculate. I will I will count. And so the idea behind this word is a bit stronger than just a normal counting. It has to do with someone who is an accountant, having a spreadsheet, looking at the financials, adding up the well, the numbers. And you've heard the term, you're going to crunch the numbers someone who is looking at the the bottom line of the statement, They're, they're going to do the math. And that phrase has been put out to make people think. Just think about what's going on here. And so what Paul is saying, he said, I am reckoning something. Not to be ignored, not to imagine some lack of faith has brought about your sufferings. That needs to be clarified, doesn't it? Sometimes, believer, in your heart, your life, you may have wondering, is this suffering that I am going through now, is my trial, is it because I don't have enough faith? Is it because that God is punishing me in some way? Is He bringing a hard and heavy hand against me? Is that why I'm going through all this now? Friend, think again. Because that is, not, that is not clearly the way the Lord wants us to think. Other times people will wonder, well, if only I had strong faith, or stronger faith, then I wouldn't be in the predicament I'm in now, and God would give me deliverance. That's sadly is one of the false teachings of the charismatic movement. And the false teaching is that if you just had enough faith, you'd be delivered from every liability, every problem, every time of suffering. And this very verse of Scripture here puts a lie to all of that, because the Apostle Paul is saying, there are sufferings, there are trials and difficulties... And Christians are going to go through them. Paul is going to make a calculation here. And he is saying, I am going to count these sufferings. I am going to add them up on a spreadsheet. And that's interesting. Because... In the calculation he's doing, he is not trying to escape from the suffering. He's not trying to minimize them, but he's facing them head on. He's looking at them and holding up his hand. Okay, let's count them. One, two, three, four. And in the counting, he is going to make a conclusion of that calculation. And this is where the idea of the reckoning, of the balancing of the sheet comes into play. Because he is balancing and saying, I'm adding up all my sufferings and all that I'm going through. But they in no way do they outweigh the positive side of the sheet. As a matter of fact, they balance out. And God has promised that these things. These calculations, so important in the life of the child of God. Because when you count up those things, it may be, friend, that you begin to say to the Lord, yes, Lord, I see what you have been doing in my life through this time of suffering. And I will count them, add them up, consider them. And then I'm going to look at the prophet's side of the sheet, to see what I have gained from those sufferings. And as we begin to openly and honestly look at them, I think, believer, many times we're going to have to say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to have this disability. Thank you, Lord, for that liability in my life. Because through that... I have learned. Through that, I have become less dependent on my own ability. Through that, I have been drawn toward my God. I have cried out to God for deliverance and help. Yes, and that blessing is great. And it is one that we will consider and I believe praise God for all eternity. The third thing. There is an unworthy comparison here. Keep in mind, we're still on the theme of clarity of thought, clear thinking for the Christian. He says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. They're not worthy to be compared. Don't miss out on that little phrase, this present time, because that really speaks of all our life, all humanity. It speaks of life under the sun. It speaks of what we are as human beings in this solar system, and all things that have to do with our life and time And this present age, these are matters that the Apostle is speaking about here. And he is telling us, there is something that is not worthy to be compared with. And our sufferings, and whatever it is that we must go through in this present age, we have something to look forward to in a very short time where those things will be taken away. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians will say to them that my light afflictions are not worthy to be compared. It's the exact same thought that he's bringing out here in Romans because what he was teaching to the Roman Christians was equally applicable to the Corinthians and they dovetailed together. He said, my light afflictions which are but for a moment. That's how his thinking was kept on track. That's how the apostle kept going, because he realized that his life was like a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. And the vapor nature of his life, this present age, my light affliction, but for a moment. They were all working together for Him as they are working, brothers and sisters, together for us. You see, if we view the hard times and difficult experiences of our life, if we can view them in the moment or in the season when they are upon us, if we can see them as something that is light, That is not a heavy burden. What did Jesus say? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And don't think that Jesus was not considering exactly what the apostle Paul would have to go through or Peter or any of the other apostles who all were martyred for their faith. And all the sufferings that were going to come to the Christians in the Roman Colosseum or during the Spanish Inquisition or every Christian today in this world that is going through great trial and suffering. Jesus said, my burden is easy. Why? How could He say that? Because it must be viewed in the light of time, this present age, and not the light of time of eternity. And believer, the more that our thinking is clarified on this matter, we will conclude, as Paul, this is an unworthy comparison. My sufferings, I cannot think of them compared to eternity. No. They're only for this present time. And the fourth thought is this. There is a hope that is given to us here, that is certain. A hope that is certain in light of all this. He said it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You cannot accept this outside of faith. You can't believe in this just on your own thinking. This is something of the revelation of God's Spirit to us. This is the Word of the Lord that comes to our heart. It shall be revealed in us in glory. And what did Paul say to the Ephesians? He said, you are already seated in heavenly places. We read in the second half of Romans chapter 8 about us being already glorified. That's in the eyes of our God. Can you see yourself, believer, already glorified? Can you see yourself already having attained heaven and already sitting in that place where God has prepared for us? That gives us a holy confidence and a boldness that the devil cannot easily take you from. But if our thinking becomes carnally-minded, worldly-minded, earthly-minded, self-centered, that's when we're going to begin to see our knees shaking, and our footing will become a little unstable. But if we are grounded upon the Scripture, and if we are standing foursquare upon the promises of the Word of God, then we will face our challenges and our sufferings and say, Lord, give me grace that I might embrace them because the grace of our God is sufficient for us. Friend, tonight, I don't know what you're going through specifically. The trials of heart and mind and soul, they're great in your life and they're hard and heavy to bear and do not minimize them. But however you do the calculation, be sure that you bring them all to the foot of this verse and this promise, and you see them in light of eternity. And then the Lord will pour out the abundance of His help, and you will come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of your need. What about it, friend, tonight, if you're not a Christian What if you're not a child of God? Now is the opportunity the Lord has given again to receive Him, to embrace Him, to repent of your sin and take into your heart and life the joy and the peace that there is in believing. Let's close our service tonight by singing number 500, And six, 506, how many times discouraged we sink beside the way. About us all is darkness, we hardly dare to pray. Then from the mist and shadows, the sweetest voice ever known says, Child, am I not with thee? never to leave thee alone. Let's stand, please, to sing. Father, we pray tonight that the truth of these words that we've been singing and the precious Word of God, it will be written upon every one of our hearts. We will follow after, and we will know the grace abundant, grace sufficient, grace superabounding, and to know that our Lord Jesus will never leave us Father, I know tonight and we have experienced that Jesus cares about all our tears, our struggles, our trials. Help us to be faithful in this time. And indeed, Father, that we will endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Part us now in your fear with that rich and mighty blessing, pour out Your Spirit upon us, Lord, in reviving. Help us in this incoming week to glorify our Savior. Every opportunity. Keep us from temptation and sin. And Lord, make us soul winners for Christ. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen.